All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you to another episode of We Create Music TV. I am your host, of course, your guy, B. Vaughn. And man, today we got my guy, Gene Culver. He is the CEO of songwritersandproducers.com. Gene, man, welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome. Thank you, bro. Appreciate it, man. I appreciate you having me over. This yeah. is uh, great. Man, I appreciate you being here, taking time out of your busy schedule to just join us and kind of talk about what you do and uh, just the things that you've been through. Man, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about, to talk with you. It's been a while. Same here, man. I'm excited yeah. about it. We've got a lot to cover. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. So so we're going to do some refreshing, resetting first. We're going to talk about how Gene and I actually first met. And so, so Gene had a conference that he did. Uh, man, I can't even remember what year it was. 20, I was living in St. Louis at the time. And was it 2017? It was in Florida. Uh, mm -hmm. I want to call it the Network Music Conference. So, okay, so there was a couple of conferences. I was actually part of the Network Conference. Uh, the Network Music Conference is by DJ Slim. And then I did okay. the Music Conference. Uh, probably, I think his was like in November, then I did mine mm -hmm. in January. Okay, yeah. so I, I went to his too. And I yeah. also went to yours and we took a picture. <laughs> I still got that picture. Um, and, and at the panel, you had um, Karen Marie Mason. That's when I first met. Uh, that's when I first met her. And we've established some type of friendship over the years or acquaintanceship over the years. I also, I also met Angel uh, Soto there. Yeah. Uh, I met you there. I met, um, oh, there's another guy. He, he's a songwriter. And... Oh, he's a really good songwriter too. I can't remember yeah. his name, but yeah, he, I know he, Michael. I think Michael was his name. I Pinhead. Yeah, I Pinhead. I think Michael is his real name. But yeah, sorry, Mike for is your, his sorry for your whole government out there. But yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> and we we met there. Uh, that was the first one that I went to, and uh, I had a chance to meet you because you were standing outside greeting people as they were coming in and taking pictures at the uh, at the photo op uh, place. Yeah. Yep. Yep, mm -hmm. I do remember that. And so, yeah, that was, the first, uh, that was the first music placement conference that I ever did. Yeah, that was that was music placement conference that mm -hmm. was in Orlando, and uh, it was the first one I ever did. And I think we've done two and a half of them, and then COVID hit, so I ah, have to do another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great, you know, for for those people who had the ability to attend, such as myself, it was it was fantastic. And so I can't wait for you to do it again once Kobe get past. Come from Atlanta down to down to Orlando, back to it. We have to come to our, to Atlanta, man. We have to come to Atlanta or come to um, mm -hmm. you know, maybe Nashville, something like that. Yeah, yeah, I mean that'll be awesome. Yeah, yeah, do like a tour. That'll be awesome, mm -hmm. man. So mm -hmm. let's let's just dive right into it. So if you can just start us off with, how did you really get into this whole music business, this music thing? So I'm going to do my best to give you the short story of it. Um, okay. My father's been in the entertainment business since uh, the like 19, I believe, 62. He had the number one hit in the country. Uh, he wrote a song called what? Girl. Oh. Yeah. He wrote Yo, that's... that's Pops, right? Mm -hmm. And so probably 80 now. And he's, he's been collecting checks since he was in his early 20s. And uh, he won't let you see him, but he's been collecting them. <laughs> and uh, so so he did really well on that. But I mm. took a different route. 
Uh, back in the late 1900s, I was responsible for managing artists. I would tell them what to wear, where to go, what songs they were going to sing, who they were going to open for. They opened mm. for High Five, Small Change, Naughty by Nature, Queen Latifah, Brian McKnight, um, Regina Bell. Regina Bell is amazing. She's like one of the only people backstage who grabbed our hands and prayed with us before we went out there. Wow. She was that kind of person. So we were young uh, in the late 1900s. You know, we were young kids, you know, getting mm -hmm. out of college. Um, we managed a, uh, an artist named Fatima Danza, who's now part of Kindred, the Family Soul. And okay. um, yeah, so they're, they're still doing his thing. But so so that was my thing. But over the time that I would manage artists, obviously I was responsible for covering the cost. Because if I tell you to wear that, I, I need to buy it. If I tell you to record this, I cover the studio. So um, mm -hmm. I was like that executive guy putting money behind it. But the problem is the artist would quit. And I couldn't Ooh. figure out how to get my money back. And so, so I was on a panel. Um, I was on a panel down in Miami, I believe it was, uh, with a guy named Dennis Bettis who lives there in at Atlanta. Um, and uh, he wrote this song for Wilson. Uh, he wrote "You Are" and and a few other stuff for Luther and and I believe Keith Sweat and that kind of thing. So anyway, he said to me, "I hear your story." He said, "You really should consider managing music. Music doesn't mm. quit. It doesn't." Uh, destroy the hotel room. So consider right. managing music. And in light of my father getting these checks all these years, I thought to myself from a business standpoint, royalties is where I want to be and I want to help other artists get to the same place. So that's what I got involved in. I started, I started managing music. So when you came to the conference, that was my way of uniting people together um, for the purpose of talking about sync licensing. Mm. And I brought all of these panels together. I, very, I didn't really hit the stage because I was new at it, but I brought mm. a lot of and so that's what I do today is network people together. Wow. Yes. Yes. Wow. That is OK. Duke of Earl. Yes. That's awesome. I did not know that. That's that's amazing. That's a great. Yeah. yeah. He will still collect checks on that. Oh, yeah. Well, he yeah. Got situation backfield in motion. Uh, him and Curtis Mayfield, um, they wrote, um, well, Rainbow 65. Oh, and they wow. did it again, Rainbow 80. Um, so he's worked with all those guys, mm -hmm. man. Yeah, that's that's wow, that's awesome. So 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 managing music versus managing artists and producers, that that has to be that's that's a difference. And yeah. well, I don't know, maybe maybe not. Talk about that. Talk, is is there a difference in really managing? I'm sure there is music and yeah. managing managing. Yeah, no, I I understand the question because you know obviously. Um, you know, let me ask the question back with a question, and I really hate to do this, but who sure. would you rather manage, Michael Jackson or his music? Whitney or her music? You wow. Know, yeah. Or his music. Mm -hmm. so, so things happen to artists. And unfortunately, I try to inform the artists as they come through that, you know, really to the industry, they are light bulbs. Yeah. And what happens to light bulbs, what happens to them when they blow out? They, they go, they turn them out, right? Yeah. They away and they plug light bulb and the only way you can really make some serious money you can do it as an artist if you have that longevity you'll make mm -hmm. a big spin. but to stay long term you need to be part of the electric company oh i you know? like that so and so yes. managing just the artist and something would happen to the artist i was out of business i don't so there's no way to book whitney today mm. oh no way to yeah. book tupac today right. biggie and so that's why i switched over to managing uh, being responsible for managing the music because the music never quits. 
right? The music can stay around for, for generations and generations. I mean, yeah. just think about how many people are listening to Tupac today or Whitney today or where their music is used today, even if they're alive or not. Absolutely. And you know, the other thing about it is, and I know artists struggle with this, but with music, you don't have to worry about how many social media media followers that song has. You don't have to worry mm. about where mm. put on, you know, I don't know, there's superficial things like, did you put on weight? Did you, did, did you, did you have a pimple? Like what mm -hmm. you just, the song's the song. And so you can write a song today. I can get it to our network and that song could be in a movie like that. Wow. You know, so it doesn't have, you don't need a bunch of followers in order for that song to go. If it fits, it fits. If it fits, it fits. Yeah. I think I remember uh, during the conference um, that I attended, I think that's what everybody was talking about. I remember the three ladies who were up there uh, who were talking about the importance of music and getting music into film and licensing music and the benefits from it. And I, there's huge yeah. benefits from it. I mean, I've interviewed you know, several guests on here and had a whole uh, panel on just sync licensing and how you get into the whole sync licensing business. And I do mm -hmm. think that it's a missed opportunity that most music creators miss out on is, is getting their music into that, into that arena. And, and, and Bivon, listen, it's not just the people who are sitting back writing songs. It's the people who want to get to that next level. There's a strategy to this thing. There's levels to this thing. So mm. imagine you're, um, you're writing, you, you're, you're a songwriter and you want to be a performer. You want to be an artist, right? But you write a hit song for someone, you're knocking on the door of the A&R and the first thing you say is, I'm an artist. Well, we've already made our decision on who we're putting our money by, behind mm. for the next whatever period of time. But if you say, I think I have a hit song that's perfect for your artists, which that translates to them, my job is secured and I get my money back for the investment <laughs> I make, right? Mm -hmm. They're thinking is let me hear that song. So what happens is that's they take the song, they play it in the studio, and it's now playing through these amazing speakers. So they're hearing you as an artist, and then they're thinking to themselves at some point after enough of these songs have come through that not only is this this a singer songwriter producer, mm -hmm. this is something that we may be able to put on the launch pad just like an like airplanes taking off at the airport. And mm -hmm. so we've got an artist right now. But next is this one, next is that one, and then next is you. So you you can't be heard any other way as an artist throwing your demo out there saying, listen to me, I want to get on, I want to get on. You can write right. hit songs, pay you for it. Um, and, you know, there's some huge benefits to writing those songs. It happened for Neo. It happened for Julia mm -hmm. Mike. You know, it just continues to happen for Sam Smith. It just mm -hmm. happens to artists that write for other people. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I think Gaga started off the same way. I think so. I think so. Yeah. so. So, so would you, and I know I'm going to ask you this later, but I kind of want to talk about it a little bit now. Would you advise people to kind of take that route to, if they are someone who's an artist and they're a great songwriter to really look more at the songwriting perspective versus trying to be an artist? Um, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to put that dream out for them. You know, that flame. Mm -hmm. um, I would say do both, but write songs that you know, like Neo said it best. He said, when I'm writing country, I'm country for that day. And I, <laughs> and I automatic, I got my boots on, I got my hat on, you know, and that's how you begin to write for other people. Mm. Um, you know, so let's say for a moment, we set aside the A&R side of it, right? So we want to okay. write for 
you know, we, it's hard to get in. You know, Rihanna's camp is pretty tight. But let's just say for a moment, yes. right, it's really tight. But Tom, Tony down the street, Lisa across the way, Martin over in South Dakota, these are people who are looking for hit songs. So you can write hit songs for other people today and have them digitally trans, you know, transferred over there, but you have to take care of your paperwork, of course. Mm-hmm. Talk about some of those details. I'm not a lawyer, I just play one on TV. But, I, <laughs> but, from, a, but from a legal standpoint, as long as you have that paperwork in place, you could literally sell a song that you've written and then there's a derivative of that song. You can literally mm-hmm. sell that song a hundred times, two hundred times, three hundred times with the lyrics, and the artist will go in the studio and record it. Let's say you sold it a hundred times, and that song you sold for seven fifty. Mm-hmm. Now you're paying your bills. You're making money being a songwriter. You can afford to the luxury of not having to go to work to, for someone else. I'm making it sound easier than it is, but the point is that ultimately you can go in and write songs for other people and you can make a living doing it. Right. Cause you know, I want to ask like, how do you do that? Like, how do you first, let me go back first. I think people are so caught up with trying to break into Rihanna's camp, trying to get into Beyonce's camp versus looking at people who are maybe right next to them or who may be, you know, kind of regional artists that are got a little buzz around them. I think we're so focused on, let me get to, now, let me get to the holy grail of, of the music creators, because right. if I can produce for Rihanna, then that's going to open up doors for me that you know, I've never had before. You know, and so I think sometimes people get narrow focus in that without looking around them to. To those yeah. other people around them. Yeah. So let, let's say this. Right. And so no animals were harmed in this statement, but everybody's out trying to hunt. <laughs> mm-hmm. You've you got to kill a few rabbits along the way. And you could probably kill more rabbits than you can elephants. Mm-hmm. So, so it works the same in sync music. So on the sync side, there are some producers out there who have these incredible beats that they've created that are self-contained, meaning they don't have samples in them. They didn't yep. buy them, somebody, right? It's something that they created. They have no idea what they're going to do with it. But that song happens to be the song that sells for $19.95. Doesn't sound like a lot. But if you put mm-hmm. it into places like audiojungle.net, if you put it into places like Musicbed, if you if you go out there and and you know load it into these different systems, and they start selling that a thousand times a month or a thousand times a year per store at twenty bucks a pop, you just grow sixty thousand mm. dollars in income from a little beat sitting on your computer, and then all of a sudden now, and I'm not saying you can't, but mm. now to jump on the airplane and go to New York, go to the conference, go meet the person who can introduce you to Rihanna's mm-hmm. camp. In the mix, you could be in the circle with people, but it's hard to be there if you're someplace other than in the industry. So you can get focused on, you know, the rabbits making money there. It's the same with the songwriters. Write some hit songs for some people. Also, mm-hmm. when that camp's going to take off, you know, locally. That's right. Right? Yep. Yeah, and I I think that's I think that's perfect. Is I love that I love that phrase. You can't, you know, you can you got to kill some rabbits along the way, right? You're not right. going to just jump out and just kill a kill the elephant. You got to kill some rabbits along yeah. the way in eat. order to you got to eat, right? And I think I think so many there's a lot of people out there kind of doing it today. I know many people who are focused and determined in killing rabbits, 
right? With the hopes that they'll eventually get to that. I'm gonna keep using that. I like that analogy. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, get, get get to that elephant. But they figured out in order for me to eat, pay my bills, this is these are things that I need to do. But I see so many people focused on, well, let me just try to, you know, sell my beats for five dollars for, you know, five for five so I can kind of get some money. And they kind of just in my observation, they kind of miss a lot that's out there. They don't think about that. I mean, I don't know how many people know about Audio Jungle. I don't know how many people are, are, are thinking about these platforms like Epidemic Sound that mm -hmm. a lot of these YouTube uh, music creators, or not or music creators, but YouTube creators uh, are going to Epidemic Sound and getting all their music for their YouTube videos. And you got guys who got three, four, five, six, eight, ten million followers who have a monetized channel who are using songs from these platforms. That's that's even more income coming in. Now, depending on how that structure set up, I don't know the ins and outs of how they do that back end stuff. So, but all I know is there's but opportunities that exist. Be 100 though, you know, it's 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 a digital file. Mm, you know, so mm -hmm. it's not like you have to print it, put a jacket on it. You've got to do a music video mm -hmm. for it. You got to go in the studio and hire someone to sing the background, and then you got to spend hours recording it. You got to write the lyrics. They're just instrumentals. And, mm -hmm. and it, it, it might be the instrumental that's like, that's the perfect song that goes with my gerbil that rode the skate. <laughs> you know, yes. that, and all of a sudden, the thing goes viral. Mm -hmm. It's tied with it. So you can't really judge it. You just got to do it. You know, you got to do it. If it's for you, if it's for you, God will see that you get it. You don't have to do mm. nothing. Else, just work. So, so, so let's talk about, so let's say I do put in all that work. What are some things that I need to do in order to take that step to get my music into those types of arenas? Like, like how do, how do I even begin? I mean, as I'm just asking for a friend, like, you know, sure, sure. right, right. Yeah. I mean, so let me tell you, so, okay. So on the sync side, it's a little bit different. That's all okay. about making friends before you need them. Right. Mm. But on the other side for instrumentals, you can go right to audiojungle.net. You can sign up for an account. You can see the requirements that they're looking for, right? How many beats mm -hmm. per minute and whether it is this megahertz and blah. And I can tell you right now, I only manage the music. I don't make it. Don't let me in the studio. Right. Let me <laughs> I don't touch nothing, right? But what happens is um, the way it's set up is the, you go right to the system. You load your music up. Someone listens. Great. We'll add it to our population. Mm. And then and they buy it. And that's kind of how it works. Some of them have certain um, enrollment dates. So you might, you might want to mm. add to your calendar an alert. Okay, such and such just opened up for their enrollment dates. Let me submit there. But you could also come over to songwritersandproducers.com and send it to us. And then our team will sit back and push it through our network. So that's okay. another way. But that's really about just having good music. Your music is leading for you. Music is leading for you. That's right, yeah. man. So, so talk about, so since you mentioned songwritersandproducers.com, talk about what birthed songwritersandproducers.com. Why'd you start that? And what's the overall mission that you are looking to accomplish with it? So the thing about songwriters and producers, before that, it was music drizzle. And we just mm -hmm. had this, we thought it was cool. It was kind of like music drizzle was born because that's where people started. It was the drizzle before the storm. It was mm -hmm. the, and so we created this place called Music Drizzle. But people was like, I don't know what the heck that is. And then so we started sitting around, you know, and I have an external team that I work with. And I said, you know, it's like, who, like, who do we work with? 
when you get up every morning, who do you want to talk to? Who do you want to spend mm. time with? Like, who do you want to who do you want to be around? It's like you want to be around songwriters and producers. And since I don't manage artists anymore, we went with songwritersandproducers.com. We created that. um, And now we just have it open where people can go there and submit music for different briefs. The briefs come out every month around the uh, between the first and the fifth of the month. We get these briefs that come out and uh, people can submit music and we're always listening. Wow. So I can just go right to the site and and submit music. I can read the briefs and then submit music to like, yeah, yeah, that's. Yep. You go right yeah. there. You listen to sometimes we'll have s- samples of the music. Sometimes we'll have, you know, the brief is looking for this or this. Um, mm-hmm. It's similar to this type of music. And we'll lay all of that out. And then, boom, they fill out the form, click a button and boom. Wow. And, and it comes to the team because, you know, we we don't charge anything to do that. We only mm. make money when the music gets placed. Now, okay. just because we get back to you doesn't mean it won't work. It doesn't work. And sometimes we'll take that music and set it aside for a moment and we'll say, okay, I like that song. That's not for this list. But that's the other thing for producers and songwriters. Um, you know, I think that they really should consider, strongly consider um, having someone represent them. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say having someone represent you is because when a songwriter uh, writes something and they've spent nine hours in the studio working on it. And, you know, they paid the money to have it mixed. They did all they put. It's like a baby being born. So mm-hmm. the moment to someone and they say no to you, it's like telling like telling you that your baby's ugly. Right. <laughs> right. Because that's your baby. Exactly. Right. But for me, listen, it doesn't bother me because I'm thinking that I'm only out to pitch that song to the music supervisor or the right. person who's going to make the placement. So if they tell me no, it's, it ain't my kid. I would right. love to get it. <laughs> my kid. It just this is not the kid for the commercial. So what mm-hmm. I wind up doing, I go back in the bag, I pull another one out, and I push that one, and I push another one, and then I hold that one. But I don't get upset with them. And sometimes artists will get upset because they're emotionally attached to it. Yeah, and then. What, that person, that music supervisor that they finally got through to don't want to be bothered anymore. Right. You know, yes. so that's all. Yeah. yeah, because because producers and artists, they will get emotional about their stuff. That's their baby. That's they. And I know as myself, even as a, a producer, that's those are our babies. Every sound, every little everything we put into it. We, and right. tell, look, tell me that the song that you don't like the song or they need. I'm not. That's my little baby. Like, <laughs> you gotta get back. Right. This is my precious right here, but yeah, yeah. but but exactly. I think that's but I think I think sometimes that is what gets in the way too of people making the best songs possible because we're so tied to it in a way where we're super protective of it, and I get it. It's art, right? And we're protective of our art, but art, my opinion, art is once you put art out, art is meant to be criticized, which is why people go to galleries and look at it and go, oh, that's nice, oh, that's ugly. Right. People and I'm going to buy this. Well, I'm not going to buy that. But I I have personally seen that and I've experienced myself that being a stumbling block for for people is when we hold on to music so tight that we don't want to let it go because we don't want to have criticism toward it because that's our baby. Yes, I I get I get that. And you got to remember what Jay-Z said. What was the song he came out with? On to the next one. On to the next next one. one. Moving, you know, and so you Mm -hmm. move on to the next because you know listen it's the it's it, part this is a business and i know mm-hmm. artists hear that to them it's like uh, it's a business it's a business 
you know? And the fact that it's a business, you have to have a sales department. If you don't have sales happening in your business, you're on your way out of business. Someone has got to sell something, mm-hmm. period. Now, if you don't like it, get somebody in there to sell it. If you don't feel like it today, you don't eat today, but you got to sell. And so in sales, one of the things people need to recognize is that some some will, some won't. Mm-hmm. So somebody's waiting. That's right. Some will, some won't. So what? somebody's waiting on to the next on to the next one yeah and you can't get so i mean when when, because i used to sell and and do sales training that's that's the number one thing some people are going to buy your product or service some people are not going to buy your product or service and you got to figure out how to move on because you still got to eat you can't sit with this one one client who's not going to purchase your your product or service in hopes that you know you'll eat you can't you gotta you know it's that same you know putting all your eggs in one basket type of uh, you know, analogy. I can't continue to do this one thing, expecting, you know, growth to happen in many different areas. But I'm so tired to just one, one little Absolutely. thing. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. Man, so so, wow. You know, I I think that's awesome because I know there's so many people out there from some of these other platforms. I'm not gonna name names, but that you gotta pay an up up up. Give me your money first. Right. Give me give, give me some bread, and then yeah. we'll see if we can get it placed. And nine times out of ten, they may not never get a place, but they still got, you know, their monthly fee, yearly fee, whatever it is, right. uh, from you, and you're wasting all this money without hopes of. And there's no, there's never a guarantee, right? Right. Some people may choose it. Some people may not. And it's not that I'm against that. Like I do understand the idea of mm-hmm. charging someone a fee because there's there's a service that's there's involved. Service. Right. I'm listening. I'm categorizing. I'm pitching on your behalf. Um, we just look at taking a percentage of the success. Uh, we love to work from a publishing standpoint. So if we can get mm. ongoing you know, pitch of your music uh, and a percentage, then great. You know, that's up to you. If you want us to administer it, you need somebody to manage publishing. You need someone to collect uh, royalties online. You need someone to collect royalties in other foreign countries. You know, the neighboring rights. Mm-hmm. Most people are with the neighboring, neighboring rights. So they're running your music in India. They're running your music in all these foreign countries and places, and you're not getting anything for it. So you need someone who tracks yep. that down. You know, it's that old, there was a song out that said, I don't want to mess it up because it was talking about how, well, let's put it this way. You can't make music and make, you know, and pitch at the same time. Mm. Right. You understand? Like you cannot, mm. cannot, you can either make love or make music or make money, but you can't do <laughs> you can't this. Do it. it's- there's something about that idea. <laughs> you see why I want to. Yep. <laughs> but do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, man. Like, listen, let them reindeers pull that sleigh. That's their job. Mm. That's right. I'll take three. I'll take two or three songs from someone. Like, I, I think of them as kids, right? Even though I'm not. The kid can be ugly to me, but beautiful to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So those two or three kids, let me graduate them from college. Once I mm. do that. Then you can give me more kids, but I don't want your whole catalog because I don't want you calling me breakfast, lunch, and dinner, asking me where your money, how's it working, blah blah blah, right. blah, right? So, so, but I'll take two or three songs, and so sometimes you need to spread things out, non-exclusive deals, handle your business, get it in the hands of the people who mm-hmm. can, who that's their job every day to sell mm-hmm. and make music because you got to have contracts between people. The music supervisor's number one biggest concern is. What's in this music? Is this going to oh, cost me? Gosh. Right? I mean, I don't mean to preach, but it's true. And so they're, they're more afraid of us than we should ever be of them. Mm-hmm. 
worry about what's in this song. And so um, we make sure all the paperwork is done, all the I's are dotted, T's are crossed. And the contracts are absolutely the cure for convenient amnesia. Most mm. of the artists mm. literally go around just doing deals, no contract, handshake. All of a sudden, a million dollars come through and everybody forgot what they said they were supposed to get. That's and right. I'm, I'm supposed to get 20%. I'm getting 10%. Well, I get 90% already. Y'all don't do the budget. Yeah. You know, so, are important. so you need somebody on the business side to manage that stuff. Yeah, this is why I always tell people, you got to make sure that you got your split sheets and your documentation in order. In order, not three, four, five, six months after the project is done. Like, you got to have it in order today because when that deal does come around, you don't want any issues to come up of where that money is supposed to go and who has ownership of what. Oh yeah, when we walk before you walk in the studio, like when you first walk in, before we get into the booth, before we get to the board, anything, we gotta take care of paperwork. This is how we gonna do it: sign, information, paperwork. Sign. Yeah, how, yeah, th thumb, thumbprint. Yeah, prick the finger. Boom, boom, boom. I want everything because this is okay. how we gonna, you know. And there are very few relationships in this industry where people can do things on a handshake. Yeah, but the truth is, I think you have to take care of your paperwork because. And, and, and listen, I don't mean to go morbid with it, but father time is undefeated. Mm, so mm -hmm. pass away and you have children, you have a family, you need to have a good understanding of where all those royalties are supposed to that's go right. to. You know? And so that's another reason to take care of the paperwork because you care about your family. This is about building wealth, but not only wealth, but generational wealth. That's right. This is the, you're doing this for somebody who hasn't been born yet. Mm. This is not just you. This is about people that haven't been born yet, you know? That's right. You know, yeah. and and I think because we live in the world of immediacy, people don't think about that. It's like, yeah. I need to get mine right now. I mean, we live in a fast food environment, right? right. I mean, I got to have it now. I want it now. I'm not thinking about generations down the line. I'm thinking about me, me, me at this moment. I need to get the car, the, the house, the flashy jewels, whatever the case is. But I'm not thinking about that generational wealth or that that legacy that, that I need to leave. That's, you better get know. some Bitcoin and call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can buy Tesla with, with some Bitcoin. Yeah, so. man. Listen, yes. this tells you something. That's why I'm saying to my people, this is a business. And you have to think of it like a business. And it doesn't take long to have your paperwork taken care of. This is my paperwork. Mm -hmm. this is, right, let's get it done. All right, let's go have some fun. That's you know, right. that's um, so, yeah, I'm with you on that, man. I, I think that you do have to, you know, and that's a mindset shift. Somebody will mm -hmm. give you, you think that's a lot of money till you start paying taxes. So you start, you know, all the things you have to buy with it. Um, and you kind of sold out for $2 million, you know. So I, I think that artists have to think more like a business. But you have to be able to inspect what you expect. Mm -hmm. So you don't necessarily mean you have to be business all the time. But you might say, no, that's my business manager right there. And he's responsible or she's responsible for that. But right. you still need to know assets equal liabilities plus owner's equity to understand Ooh. the side of okay. it. Okay. Are we going we're going business school? But oh, yes. no, I'm just kidding, because you gotta <laughs> what you expect. I need to understand the, a post closing trial balance. I need to understand how the business functions. I need mm -hmm. to know what a balance sheet looks like. So I can tell you're not stealing from me. Ah oh, man. And you know, I had a conversation with somebody on here. It's like, where do they learn that at? Well, so the, so are you asking me? 
No, yeah, I mean, you can you can respond, <laughs> but I was asking the person like, well, where do they learn that at? Where are they teaching besides school, you two? I mean, you got to have an interest and go to learn about some of those things at a university or online at YouTube. But I was just making a, a statement to this person I was talking to. I was like, well, where are they, where are they teaching that at? Right? How many artists do you know that are out here running around understanding, you know, finance one-on-one? Yeah. Not, not many. Most people don't even know. They can't even read a P&L sheet. They, don't, they, have no, they have no profit and loss sheet right. to look at that. They don't even know what yeah. You only know what PLN. <laughs> I think it's a clothing brand, but it's, but it's not. You know, here's the thing, though. Um, just like there are artists in the studio that literally geek out on that stuff, mm-hmm. there are people who geek out on numbers. Yes. They geek out on paperwork. You know, you got to find somebody on your team. Maybe it's your girl. Maybe it's your wife. It's your husband. It's your cousin. Your fan. Somebody. Mm-hmm geeks out on that stuff and you take care of them because mm-hmm. they're going to make sure the bigger picture is taken care of. You know? That's right. But you have to have some type of knowledge of what's going on. You can't just be the, the, the type of music creator that says you handle that. I'm going to just go make music and you never know what's going on ever about what's, what's happening because you, you're probably going to end up getting robbed because you're never, you know, checking, you're never inspecting what you expect. And so if right, you don't exactly. have the capacity to do that, you have to know at least something about what's going on in order to be able to, to inspect, is my bad business manager doing what's right? Are they, uh, you know, processing things the way that they're supposed to? Is my regular manager doing the thing that they're supposed to? My, anybody else on my team, I need to be able to lead them effectively because that's essentially what this person is in that role. They're the leader of this group. And they have to be able to lead and understand things that are happening on a day-to-day basis. Right, exactly. And it's okay that you are the figurehead, the artist, the point person. Mm-hmm. Um, but behind the scenes, they got to take care of your camp. And you're looking at Jay-Z and guys like that that have become a billionaire in this business. It's not just this business. You look at Rick Ross that owns all of these wing stops. And no. Wallers that have, you know, Magic Johnson was one of the first. He wasn't the only one, but he was one mm-hmm. of the first. What happened as soon as Shaq went to the Lakers? Shaq goes to the Lakers and he hangs out with Magic, and Magic starts telling him about the theaters that he owns and the Fat Burgers, and he starts telling him about the Starbucks and mm-hmm. what was. And so my point here is, they became so. Listen, at some point, this is going to end for you. So while you have this money, take that and invest it wisely. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think artists, you know, they they that's some of the mistakes that they make. They feel like they're on, but they always have to remember they're light bulbs. Some of them burn for fast. a very long time. Some of them burn out fast, and some of them burn for a long time. But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, you are a light bulb. You will burn out. It mm. is what it is. There's somebody out there. Drake is Drake's a bad boy. For him to make hit after hit after hit for after so many hit? years. Yes. But at the end of the day, Drake knows there's an end. He just stays as relevant as he possibly can. He keeps hitting them. But at some That's point, right. you you think about the artist from like two, three years ago that you would listen to and you hear their song on the radio. You're like, wait a minute. Whatever happened to... I know. <laughs> Where was that person? Yeah, they burned out. You never, you never hear back from them. But, but I'm glad you brought up Drake because I saw... So on YouTube, there is a, a documentary like on Drake 
uh, and I did a whole video series about the 10 things that I learned from Drake. But he t they do this whole thing about him and how he's uh, part of the uh, Toronto Raptors organization, how he just you know, positioned himself within that organization. He cut a deal with them and how he, they say he bring, he himself brings in millions. I can't remember the number. I'll say, I'll say a hundred million. It's more than that. A hundred million dollars a year from tourism because he has OVO stores in Canada, uh, in Toronto mm -hmm. that people go to to buy OVO clothes and he has a brand. And when you look at the, the Toronto Raptors logo, they have the OVO logo on their jerseys. Wow. Right? So, yes. So he he has figured out a way to capitalize on his brand as being Drake and what he is able to bring to the city, not just from an artist perspective, but also from a business perspective. And I just thought that was just so mind, so mind blowing how he has positioned himself in many different arenas to capitalize and not just you know, I'm a rapper. Look, I'm just, no, he is out there making serious money on a lot of different things, not just music. Yeah, because most people are just looking to shine. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem. You can't just shine because, again, it's going to burn out. Um, and so you do have to diversify. Uh, I hate to bring it up because, you know, it's such a sad time in our history. But, you know, there was a time when there were people who realized, unfortunately, they could they could hang in the house with their family and they would put slaves out to work. Mm. And they realized from that very early on that if other people do the hard work, I can come back and inspect what I expect. Mm -hmm. So I could labor to do the hard work and the heavy lifting and let them break their backs. Right. And they put and so what they essentially did was they put their money to work. Mm. And so if we learned anything from that, people who are putting their money to work get to make more money. You know, right. then they come out and tell their experiences. They write a book. They um, put out go a podcast. Mm -hmm. Go on tour. <laughs> so, you know, you have to put your money to work for you at some point. And that's mm -hmm. that's when you, um, you start to become um, rich. But rich is not where you ultimately want to be. You want to be wealthy. You right. want to be. And the difference between that, of course, as we all know, is riches. You got plenty of money. Wealthy is I got enough money that if I never go back to work again, this money's going to keep coming in. It residuals. You know? And that's why I got involved on the licensing side, because mm. the music will continue to keep paying you as you keep your catalog going for the rest of your life. That's right. That's right. So I want to talk about something that you said a little bit. Man, for people who are watching, like Gene is just giving y'all gems after gems. Y'all better, better take these things and write them down and, and learn <laughs> from them. Like, psh. So I'm gonna, I want to talk about something that you, that you mentioned. Yvonne, I know a lot at 29, don't I? <laughs> hey, I know. Look, 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 look. I'm still 23. You know, like. <laughs> Ooh, I wish. I wish. But, <laughs> but um, so I'm gonna get your 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 opinion about something because you were talking about making sure you have your paperwork in order, and when when things come about, you know, you're missing. You know, you have your songs over here in India and in China and all these different places, and you're not getting money off of it. So I'm sure you've seen in the, in the news, uh, especially in the music news, that there is this uh, something that just happened. It's either just happened or is about to happen. This $424 million payout that's getting ready to happen of all these royalties. Now, I don't remember if I read correctly that the royalties, that this $424 million are going to go directly to the artists and producers, et cetera, 
or if it's going into this company that collects this information or this money because people haven't collected all these royalties. Have you heard about this thing? I haven't. I've heard of something similar with sound exchange, though. I've heard where a mm. while, you know, sound exchange holds on to a certain amount of money for a period of time and then it's gone. Um, but I haven't heard about this fund. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, tell me about it. I, you know, I just I know that artists do leave money on the table. though. Mm-hmm. Look, look, I know we're going to do this, but I grab my phone. There you go. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I'd love to hear more about about that. Yes, because uh, they they're paying. I don't know who they're paying this money to. Mm-hmm. But I know this money is going somewhere and I don't know. Yeah. if it's, OK, OK, here we go. Apple, Spotify, and other DSP paid $424 million in unmatched royalties for, uh, for publishers and songwriters. It says the music of uh, the Mechanical Licensing Collective has received a total of $424.38 million in accrued historical unmatched royalties from DSPs, together with corresponding data reports that identify the uses related to these royalties. Mm. So my question is, is this $424 million going to go back to the singers and songwriters and the music creators. It, it says the largest royalties by Longshot were paid out by Apple Music at 163.34 million and Spotify at 153.23 million. And then followed by Amazon Music, Google, Pandora, SoundCloud, Tidal, iHeartRadio. Uh, it says they have fought for years to ensure that they were paid accurately and fully by uh, the DSPs. Unmatched money has plagued the industry, and today, thanks to the Music Modernization Act, we know that it amounts to just under 425 million. But I don't know who it goes to. I don't know if they if it goes back to the singers and songwriters, or if it's going to go to this company and like what happens. But that's an example of not having all of your paper paperwork in order. Well, you know that, and there could be a number of different things. So I can't speak too much. I haven't read the article, but I do understand right. that. Royalties is, was created because the mechanics of it, you know, when they actually mm-hmm. had hard copies of a uh, even a CD, hard copies of a cassette. It started with the hard copies of a record, the mechanics of making that record. Um, and so that's kind of where the mechanical, mechanical royalties come from. And companies like Harry Fox was responsible for dishing out that you mm-hmm. could make a thousand copies of this CD. You can make a thousand copies of this album or 10,000 copies of it. Then you have to come back and you have to buy um, more of it. So, right. you know, so so in that case, there are people who actually own the rights um, to the music itself, you know. Mm. So the catalog is owned by um, the record labels. And so, yes, I'm sure that they will find uh, the people that need to, uh, you know, that are do that type of money. Um, right. But that happens all the time. I mean, it's really about, and that's kind of where that business team comes in. You mm. know, they're there. Um, we operate, like I joked earlier and said, I kind of play an attorney on TV. But our, our task every day is to go out and say, if we find money, that's when we get paid. So mm-hmm. we're not going to do anything up front. Now, with that said, I have sat with people and, and in my opinion, and based on their feedback, given them incredible ideas of what to do with their music and what steps they need to take. And I have charged a consultant fee. For someone who's sat for like a half an hour, hour, can Mm -hmm. we go through songs? Can we talk about this one and this one, this one? And I'll go through it with them and I'll, yeah, I'll chop it up with them. But that's my time. That's my hour. And so Mm -hmm. I charge. Um, But basically, we're like attorneys. So we look to go find that kind of um, that kind of, you know, money uh, Mm. that maybe. Yeah. Yeah. 
Wow, yeah, that's that's awesome. And and once again, you're providing the service to to those individuals, and so it's a I'm trust me, it's a service that's worth it. Yeah, and you know, and I know artists like I've had people. I mean, I I I thought I heard them boo me. You know, they said, I said <laughs> I, listen, but no, I'm cut, I'm cut from a different cloth. Like I mm-hmm. I think okay, so back and I told you back in the late 1900s, I would manage artists and they would quit. It happens, right? So. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you quit, but I can't get my money back. But I put all the money out for everything. I don't think your manager is your financier. I don't think your manager nope. is your, right? Nope. So I don't think there's anything wrong with cutting a deal with your manager to say, listen, I don't have a lot, but you're not going to have to worry about your cell phone. You're not going to have to worry about mm-hmm. your gang. You're not going to have to worry about, I'm going to take care of you. Now, some people say, no, I go to work for the artist. And then um, I'll keep all my receipts. And if they pop, great. But that's your business model. Right. You know, my business model is I'm going to work for you the same as you would pay the studio, the same as you would pay for Uber just to get there, the same as you would pay for lunch if you took somebody out. And so people mm. have to say it so they can focus on it. just like a regular job. The only reason to pay somebody incredibly well is, number one, they're worth it. Number two, I don't want you sitting there worried about your electric bill while you're working for me. I want your total mm-hmm. focus. So I look for it. So when I, if I was to manage somebody, they would have to bring bring me on board and cover my cost on a monthly basis. May not be a lot, but it's gotta be something. Right. And that's right. how I look at my artists that you know, no, they should manage me for free. No, you should get a family member that does that that loves you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <It's a family. laughs> yeah. And, and, and you know, you know, there's, like I said, there's many different business models that exist. Uh, you can do so many different things with contracts. And, you know, when you're looking for a manager, I know for the artists that I was managing, we had different types of things in our contract that talked yeah. about many different stuff. Right. And so from my perspective, kind of, as you said, you want that person to not worry about anything else. They have right. to be focused and getting your music and you in the right places with the right in front of the right people and get your music popping the way that it's supposed to. Right. And so whether, whether they're paying you some type of fee, uh, you know, make sure your cell phone bill, electric bill or whatever the case is, or you're getting paid on the back end, that you're going to, you got to figure that part, that part out in order for the both of you to be successful. But absolutely. Yeah. And nothing wrong with the back end contract where right. you say this because, because if I take it on the back end, you know, in terms of you paying me at that mm-hmm. time, not going to be you pay me what you owe me there's interest so i want the money that you would have paid me would be this but if we go here i need this mm-hmm. like i need this because i've actually made the investment so i want the return on that investment in terms of time it's a business and i think if you don't have somebody that's thinking from a business standpoint um mm-hmm. it could be trouble. now the only exception to this is you have somebody who has less of a hustle and they have the ability to get you right into the industry. They're just getting you shaped up and they're going to take you mm. right into it. And they've got, I mean, I'm talking like six months or something like that. But if you're telling somebody to take you from the infancy all the way through the process and you need everything, I think you should compensate that person. But that's why I don't manage artists. I manage music. <laughs> you need a music, I'll take it digital, I'll pitch it. And then we try to close deals that cost, you know, make $5,000, $20,000, mm. $30,000. We got a song through the network that I work with on, on the Super Bowl. Um, and we just keep pushing for those kind wow. of things. G commercials. Kim is a big part of my team. Um, and okay. Kardashians, um, 
Anderson Cooper, uh, you know, those those type mm-hmm. of commercials. Now, we're in a position now with songwriters and producers, some of the deals that we put together, we have sort of changed some things. I don't like the pitch as much as I like people to come search. Mm. So our that we're tied into now is designed for the artists to, to send us their music. We mm. load it into the system. It has to be real specific. Like some music supervisor right now is looking for a song that's like Beyonce, just like, um, you know, really, really specific. This amount of beats per minute. Mm-hmm. Um, Beyonce song, name it before the beehive stings me. Um, oh, I don't know. But the, the beehive would sting the heck out of me because I have no, I have no clue. <laughs> but, but let's say that, um, so something like that. So, you know, um, so we look for a Beyonce song and they really get really narrow with it. And when they find it, they click it and they buy it. Yep. That's the kind of music supervisor we want to attract. Mm. As opposed to us going, well, we put it on a list and we send it over. It's sort of an old school way. The way they're doing it now is they're starting to go to sites um, that we're tied into where they just search and they they search and narrow it down like a funnel, mm-hmm. the exact song they're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I just find that sometimes to be so, I understand it's, it's detailed enough where they can find what they want, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's like, I want a lo-fi hip hop rock song that sounds like uh, I'm in an underwater tunnel rapping uh, like Beyonce, who doesn't rap, but I want it to sound like Neo, who's standing on top of a bridge, yodeling over a mountain. It's like, wait a minute. I don't know. I don't know what you're looking for. And like, it's just see, so, some, sometimes it's just so confusing. It's like, all right, like I got these, I got these beats. Like, which one do you want? <laughs> yeah, yeah, make this work. You know, right. uh, mm. the movie Friday, make it enough, right? Make um, it enough. Yeah. But you know what, though? The, the truth is, there's a song out there like that. There's a song mm. out there that you can't really judge the music, you know? Mm-hmm. There's a song out there. Um, there, was a, there was when Gundam Style was really big. Remember the song Gundam yes. Style? And then they were looking Stop. for, like, yeah, like an app looking for something like that. Yes. For their- and all of a sudden, this kind of K pop, you know, stuff started popping mm-hmm. in. And then there's also the micro licensing side of that, you know, that's that, mm. that's that habit we're talking about. You know, the micro licensing side is where you take that little snippet of music and you put it out there for 10, 15, you know, uh, 15 seconds or a minute and a half, sometimes seven minutes. Um, but that's big money as well. So we talk a little bit about that. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's like you can't really judge it because you never know what they're looking for. You, you never know what they're looking I never know. That's probably why I got no um, no placements because I never know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I can help you with that, bro. Uh, no doubt about it. And so, yeah, so we're always listening. We may not be able to respond all the time, but we're listening because mm-hmm. there's for something we can make money off of. And whatever's at that moment is at that moment. Um, mm-hmm. and we're looking for the moment for it, but there may be a moment for that song somewhere else. Wow. But man, we've been spending time a lot on, on music licensing and sync licensing and all that. I want to talk about Drizzle Films. Like, like so, so, where, so where did that come from? Like, what... So, so talk about that concept and what you what you do with that. So Drizzle Films right now is designed to help individuals convert their book into a film. And then mm. we have, so we've built an ecosystem. So I'll just kind of share with you what that ecosystem is. We own um, Drizzle Films. We own NIFT, which is nationalindependentfilmmakers.com. So okay. National Independent Filmmakers is where we network with filmmakers. At the end of the day, 
Um, if you want to get your music in films, especially indie films, um, and that's a whole nother like, contract. It's actually called a step agreement. Um, but what happens is if you want to get your music in film, you need to met- network with the people who are making films. Mm-hmm. And that's all about making friends before you need them and letting them know that you have a song for their, for their project. Um, and so, we, so what we decided to do was in order to get more music and film, we created our own film network. And coming very soon, we'll have our own. Oh, you got stuck. Um, film distribution. My back. Okay, yeah, yeah. So go back. You said very soon you're going to have your own. We'll have our own streaming network for for digital films, so that we can wow. help these monetize. There's an entire market that's untapped. Ninety percent of the market is completely untapped at this point. Helping indie filmmakers get their films out there. Most of them mm. are adding them to Vimeo or it's sitting on their machine after they make the circuit. Right. Yep. Yeah. So we're helping them with that process. Wow. I mean, that's, that's a beautiful concept to turn your book yeah. into an actual film, you know, and, right. and especially from an indie perspective. I mean, how many indie artists I like, my, so, so not indie artists, but uh, writers, you know, like, so my wife is an author and so is my son. And she wrote mm-hmm. an amazing book. And we've always had the, the vision of taking that book and actually making it an actual, like an actual film. I mean, you know, before we started the interview, we talked about, uh, you know, I want to get more into that whole filmmaking side and kind of see, see what that really, where it goes. I mean, I got all the equipment and stuff like that, but yeah, it's that, fun. that's, I'm sure it's it a, is. Man, let me tell you, it's, it's an addictive thing. So I've been on a number of sets. I've had music in those different sets. It mm. is incredibly addictive to be on a set with filmmakers, watching them go through that process and create um, those films, and then to see it when it's finished. Uh, I worked on a project a couple of years back called Waking Up White. It was all mm. about a family that was going through troubles and things were happening, and they just wished that they, you know, what was it like to wake up white? And so one day they woke up white. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, so... Um, <laughs> And so I was on that. I was on Meet the Familia, which was a family about a uh, Hispanic family, woman and a black guy who met and how their families got together. And that was mm. a great And so these different projects are fun. You have to connect with those indie filmmakers to take things to that next level. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a, a very rewarding uh, project uh, to be a part of. Things like that. That's that's man. Kudos to you, man. That's that's awesome. Yeah. That's that's awesome. That, so, that, yeah. that you're, now, so that's awesome that you're using so many different sides of what you do, uh, and, that, and, you, and they're all interrelated in some way. Because as we were talking before we came on air, was the fact that you could make an indie film, and then if you're a music producer, you can right. or songwriter, you can put that f- music in the actual film itself. Yes, that's actually a really big deal right now. So at the end of the day, most artists who have music that want to get a placement, it's going to be a struggle for them. So what they really should do, instead of shooting music videos, this is a concept that, you know, I I get it. You shoot the music video, you post Mm -hmm. it on Facebook, and you get like one or two likes. But instead, what they really should do is write some dialogue around it. Go and find some of these indie filmmakers or find someone at the local colleges who are in them, who wants this, who want to create film as a project and them to help cover the cost for that below the line, right? And then go out and shoot a short. Maybe it's six minutes long, eight minutes long, whatever it is that you can handle and put your music in that short. Mm-hmm. And then you 
people who are around the area to put their music in that short. So now you've got all these people pulling, but you can put it on our system uh, for eight $8.99, put it on a system for $8.99 and sell it on demand. So if you sell a thousand or two thousand copies of this nine dollar digital film, you just put eighteen what grand in your pocket. Do, do you know what I'm saying? So you yeah. want to, you know, nine dollars, a thousand dollars. So you want to mm-hmm. sell thousands of those and let it just keep rolling until you see the numbers start to do this, and when the numbers start to do that, then you might pull it and do something else with it. But definitely mm-hmm. make something with some dialogue in it and put your music in it. You also get IMDb credits too. Right. That's right. Right. So you instantly start to get IMDb credit. Someone's like, hey, have you ever done music for film before? Yeah, look at this one. You know, so that, mm-hmm. that's getting outside the box as opposed to just creating a video and it costs you money. This can actually make you money. Yeah. See, see, that's what I mean when I say as music creators, sometimes we, we are too narrow focused because we don't think about the many opportunities that exist in the realm of music and using music in many different many different areas and platforms. You know, I have a friend, he, he, he I have a friend, he always says, I'm about to pull an ice cube. I'm about to pull an ice cube. That's, that's yeah. what I'm going to do. Because, you know, ice yeah. cube made Friday and they had all that music in there. And it's like, I'm about to pull an ice cube. I'm about to put all my, do a short film and exactly. put all my music in that short film. Yep. And I think they, they may have gotten like 100000 to do that or something like that. I think so. Something inexpensive. Um but, you know, at the end of the day, if you have distribution for it, it's easier. You can also crowdfund for it. You can get other people to put money into it. That's right. Um, so you could also, by the way, one of the tips and tricks to getting money for your film is to start to secure, even if they're B-level actors. And I hate to call them that because they're all great talent. But there right. are some people who pull more in the box office. You know, mm-hmm. Denzel is going to pull more than the artists who, you know, just doesn't pull that much. Right. Yeah. So, so you can go out and start to secure independent um, uh, actors, particularly now it's a lot easier, right? Because they're mm-hmm. all kind of like what we do, um, which is the other thing on the sync licensing side. We're getting ready to get into where the music industry is going to catch fire because, especially on the sync side, because all the films that were not shot are going to be shot. That's not right. only are they going to be shot, but they're going to shoot the past stuff, the current stuff, and they're going to shoot some future stuff just in case another strand shuts the another, country. That's right. You so they're about mean? to be really busy. They're about to We're be about really to be incredibly busy. Yeah, incredibly so now busy. Not, yeah. So make film. Go out and be creative. Get some people. And honestly, you can literally, literally shoot the film with your iPhone. You can. There's iPhone. Ca- yeah. Look, them iPhone cameras. They they, they do four K, one hundred and twenty frames a second. You exactly. better go on and use that. And now exactly. they got attached. Let's see. You know, I'm a I'm a nerd when it comes to like cameras and stuff. They even I saw today that they got this uh, device that you can put actually on your phone. Goes around it. You can attach an actual cine lens mm. to, to the back of your iPhone camera. A cine lens, right? And right. go around shooting actual. I saw the footage and I was like, oh man, ah, oh, that's man. that's amazing. Listen, man, this is what I'm thinking. I got so there's a couple of networks that we have an opportunity to pitch films to. So we have this person who's on our team. Um, they're not on social media. You either know them or you don't know them. Mm-hmm. And they pitch stuff for us. And so um, one of my buddies uh, who who did Waking Up White, um, and I, I, I don't want to mess this up. So my buddy who did Waking Up White has a new project on a new series on Netflix mm-hmm. called Buried by the Bernards. And it's all you about know, I this. I think I saw that. I think I saw that up there. Funeral, the drive-through funeral, right? Yes. So he, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, wow. And so 
Yeah, man. So so listen, I listen, if you want to, I'll commit to making a film with you. I'll hey. let's figure out how to make it hey. happen. We'll I got make films. <laughs> I got cam look, I got equipment. I got cameras, I got lights mm-hmm. and cameras. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I and, got multi cameras. You know, and that's the crazy thing, man. It's like you can't find any multimillionaires that are that are solo. You need people around you. You need yes. you, know, you need people to bounce things off of. You need there's this thing where we have blind spots. We don't mm-hmm. always realize we have blind spots. Maybe your wife will point it out or your best friend will she point does. it out. She does. But we, yeah, don't think do. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. All right, cool. But they, <laughs> well, yeah. It's true. We have and they have blind spots mm-hmm. too. They just don't know it. But we have blind we all have it. <laughs> <laughs> we all got them. We all got we, them. That's right. So sometimes when we're trying to get to that next level, we need somebody to point out that blind spot. Mm-hmm. We need somebody to tell us what's around the corner. Or we need somebody to say, I think the way you said that, I know how you meant it, but the way you said it didn't come off, didn't land well. That's right. Right. And somebody can tell you know that's a friend that's somebody but but it's like pedaling a bike it takes mm-hmm. to let really get to where you want to go and so um, so I'm very much interested in the film side because it becomes an automatic for the music that's right that's why we automatic. created that filmmakers and that's the reason we created Ticket and Stream Ticket and Stream mm. will be the new live digital stream network it'll be the place for artists to. Uh, creators to log in, load their music into their, I'm sorry, their film right into the system and then have wow. instant distribution for it. Um, there'll be subscription on demand, video on demand. All of that stuff will be built into Ticket and Stream. So we're excited about it because wow. it gives us a voice. And on top of that, if we're super smart about it right now, the Golden Globes and all these other um, entities, and if you look, they're literally really starting to pour money into mm-hmm. African-American uh, uh, businesses. So we have not launched it yet, but we own urban independent filmmakers. So we've got this opportunity to take advantage of all these grants and all this money that can come in to shoot film. And we have to take advantage of it because music becomes automatic at that point. And by mm. the way, Dick, sexier than like, I'm the director, I made the film, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me, I got the... Uh, action, action. Yeah, right. Uh, right. <laughs> yes, yes. But you know, you know, for me, was so, and and like I said, I'm a I'm a geek when it, I love music, but I love films. But what I love about it is what most people probably wouldn't love about it: camera angles, which is so weird to me. Like I never thought. And transitions. Wait, talk to me. I like that too. Hold on. So like, wait. So okay, talk to me. Tell me what, like, what you like, mean. Like okay, so so let me move this out of the way because now you're about to get me into you know the thing I really like <laughs> I'm talking about. So so when I watch a film, mm-hmm. I like watching how the person is using the camera and how mm-hmm. they're capturing that moment on the camera by using angles, right? Whether they're using symmetry, they're using different angles, mm-hmm. whether how they how they use the background. So I just love watching it and I'll go. So I was watching this um, I'm, for the past, I don't even know, since COVID probably, I've really been into Korean dramas. Like, mm-hmm. I kid you not, Korean dramas, they make stuff different than we do. And they okay. go to a, oh my gosh, they go to a place that we probably just won't even go to. But really, yeah, so I was watching one today. It's called uh, Vincenzo. 
right? It's about this. See, we're talking about this. Stuff. It's, it's about this. Um, it's about it's about this. It's about this Korean Italian uh, mafia lawyer, right? His and and uh, and in this particular scene, he's flying back to Korea, and as he's as the plane is flying back to Korea, it's flying at night, and it passes a cloud. But when it comes on the other side of the cloud, it's daytime. And I was like, well, it's, it's, I was like, what, or, or they're passing through some city and they pass over the cloud and it's night. But when they come into Korea, it's daytime. But they use the mm-hmm. cloud as a transition. I was like, oh, man, see, like, I like that. I got to I got to rewind that. I'm like, did you see that transition? And my wife was right. like, who cares about the transition? Let's just watch the thing. I'm all about. Oh, look at that camera angle. You see how the camera angle came down like this? Or he was right. speaking to the other person and they captured it in this like little, uh, you know, that they put the, they stuck the camera in the, the, the rails and they filmed the rail, the, the action right. through the rails, through the fence. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. that is, it's just so mind blowing <laughs> to me. The camera yeah. angles and the transitions. I, I'm all about that. Because, so, yeah. you know, that's because <laughs> here's the I'm thing, nervous. right? So, so, so from a musical standpoint as well, think about some of the songs that are the most popular songs. Those are the songs that have entertainment elements within mm-hmm. them. So if you think about raw bass, right? Yes. Yeah. And you and you just keep hearing that ah yeah ah and then they fade that in. It's like so all of a That's sudden right. it has entertainment elements in there. And then when you hear Jay Z do his thing in there, you hear that 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 uh huh uh huh right. Mm-hmm. So you hear it's all about um, the entertainment elements. Same thing with film. So these little nuances that you're talking about. That's what makes the film entertaining right. the angles, the things that they wish you would shoot, the stuff that mm-hmm. that it from a different perspective. Um, and and that's all part of that entertainment element. It's all just, part of it. You got to give it to people, you know, um, and that makes them come out and see Spike Lee was really good at creating angles that people would say, wow, mm-hmm. I can't wait for him to that, that part that he does, you know, um, so yeah, man, we gotta figure out how to make a film. I don't know what yes. you, you like. Do you like um, rom com? What do you do? You know, what do you like? Say, so say that again. So do you like um, horror films? Do you like uh, romantic comedies? What, do you, what kind? Mm. What do you want? I like action films, but like I said, I've been into this whole Korean drama thing, and a lot of them are action. A lot of them are action oriented Korean dramas. Uh, but yeah, I've just been. I'm gonna go watch one after this while I eat the rest of Vincenzo. <laughs> but I, I just love the way they. I told the wife I was like, you know what? We're gonna move to Korea for a couple of years, and I'm just gonna go learn how to shoot films, how how they shoot films because yeah. they're the way that they see things and their camera angles and their storytelling and positioning mm-hmm. of just the actors yeah. with with the scene. Right? It's just it's on a different it's just on a different level than what I've seen. Like like here, you know, we we we'll do a car chase, but mm-hmm. they'll do a car chase, and it's diff- It's just completely different. It's like yeah, yeah, because you never don't realize that they give you the inside of the car, the outside of the car, the back of the car, the side, the boom boom boom, and you just feel like you're there. Yes, you know. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Yes. I like I, I'm not a big horror film person because um you know, but I think the benefit of creating a horror film, the easiest part about creating a horror film. 98% of the people are already scared mm-hmm. of something. Of if something. I got to go crash out in the middle of the night and I'm six one and I hit really, really hard, but if I still got to take the trash out in the middle of the night, <laughs> the process is, the thought, yeah, like, what's behind me? Did I hear something? Was that a cat? Who else is over there? Is it dark? Mm-hmm. Like, most people are already afraid, so it's not a big leap to take them from um, where they are to being scared. 
That's Whereas right. comedy, I love comedy, you know? Me too. Um, we're, yeah, we're working on something called To The Mic, and that's part comedy, part the artist performances, mm. how they got to that point. Um, but comedy is like, it's got to strike a chord with you. It's got to mm -hmm. be funny. It has to have some truth in it. So to make people laugh, it's timing. But horror, some music and whatever, and people mm -hmm. are already, you know, so. I yeah, like yeah. Yeah, my ultimate goal is to be in a comedy. So that's really? the ultimate, yes. In a comedy film? In a comedy film. That's right. Yeah, that man. my then ultimate we gotta goal. Write it. Listen, we've got to live the way we say. So we've got to mm -hmm. write a comedy. And I've got some funny stuff that's happened. It, and by the way, it's situational. Like, I don't think I could go on right. stage, but I know it's I, situational. I couldn't be a comedian. I couldn't be a yeah. comedian and tell yeah. jokes. But I could be in a right. comedy. Yeah, because... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we get some comic writers, and we get them to to uh, to to write write with us, man. So, all right, I'm That's just right. throwing it out there. I'm not saying we have to. I'm just saying if you I'm got down. something you want to work on, I'm down. I'm down. I'm down for that. <laughs> Y'all see how all this works? I'm down. But man, we've been talking for uh, over an hour, man. What's what's next for Gene? What's next for you, man? Where do you want to go next? What do you want to do? Um, I think I just want to be as heavily leveraged into the entertainment side and helping independent artists. I don't, you know, I don't, I no longer am in a position where I think about the chasing of money. You know, mm. that's a young man's thought process constantly. I just want to know how many people I can help. How many people can I take to the Me next too. level? Who can I impart knowledge to? Who can I tell them something that hopefully they'll keep them from stepping in some of the holes? And I've stepped in some holes. I've messed some things up. I've done the wrong things. And so I'm hoping that I can be helpful to some people. Um, I want to try to get Ticket and Stream off the ground. I want to give all of the indie artists a platform to uh, put their music as well as music in these films and have a, a distribution channel. Yeah. The technology has leveled the playing field. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we don't have to go begging to Netflix. Would you help me? Would you help me? Would you help me? Would you let this in? We don't have to do that. It's not necessary anymore. Um, we just need to let the people who drive the bus drive the bus, the people who fix the bus fix the bus, the people who ride on it ride on it. And right. I think that's kind of like where I'm headed, man. So if God is good and graceful to me and I stay on the planet, um, I ultimately want to um, bring up as many youth as I possibly can. And, mm -hmm. and I'm very serious about creating generational wealth. I want to help people build and um, build for the long term. That's right. Wow. I, I love that. You don't hear many people talk about their desires to build generational wealth and to bring up the youth so that they themselves can do the same do the same thing so yeah I, 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 I know you're going to be successful in doing that because you're already doing things that feed into that type of area today so kudos to you my brother for that so 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 let me ask you so what advice would you give anybody that, that wants to get into this whole music arena what would you kind of tell them um i would say don't make the initial mistake that i made don't just jump out there get up under some people who are already doing it and allow them to mentor you work with them uh, become their uh, apprentice, if you will, um, intern, if you will. Um, but get in and, and work for a company if you can. You know, somewhere mm. in there to learn how things work. Uh, I was an entrepreneur. I'm a terrible employee. I'm not a good. You sent me to a desk. <laughs> I will shrink up on you like a like a cotton shirt in a dryer. I will shrink up <laughs> on you. So, um, so I like autonomy. So I wasn't mm, the kind too. of company but i do remember there was an opportunity to pot to potentially work for diddy um back in the day i remember meeting him in new jersey and and handing him my resume because i had done all these great things and that was right when a group had left me and diddy was like 
I need a person just like you, man. I need somebody just like you. And I remember calling calling uh, Uptown Records, consistently calling Uptown Records. And I was like, I'm going to New York if they don't answer. And on the last day, they were like, yo, he left. He uh, went someplace else. We're like, well, where'd he go? We don't know. And they hung up. Mm. But he went to start Bad Boy Records. Bad Boy. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, but but I bet that would have been a great internship somewhere, learning how that industry worked from the ground up. Because a lot of times we try to reverse engineer stuff. We know it's a car. We know it has wheels, great radio. But how did they put that together? Where do all the parts come from? Mm-hmm. You know, how does it function? And so we need to get in on the inside and learn how things work. So I would say go get a job working for somebody and 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 stick with them for a period of time and then move on. You know, they know that's the purpose of it. Um, but mm-hmm. get that internal education, but get educated on the business side of it. Uh, and that's not that you have to speak it every day. You just need it when you need it. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah, that's that's great advice. Great advice. Get in with someone that can show you how things operate and so you can learn from that perspective. Yeah. But yeah. man, Gene, man, we can keep going. I, that's, wow. That's all right. I'll come I, I back when you, you invite me. Don't worry about I gotta, it. I got to have you back. I got to have you back for a part two where we can really just, yes, talk about more We're gonna stuff. We're going to talk about our film. We're going to make a oh, film. We're going to talk about that film. We gotta, we're going to do that phone. film. We're going to do that film. That's yes. We yes we are. Uh, yeah. So you heard that you heard that right here, right? Yeah. We create music TV, but uh, man, tell people where they can find you. How can they connect with you? So they can always submit music over at songwritersandproducers.com. Um, it's just a great place. You can also contact me there. There's a contact form at the bottom. You can contact me. Uh, so songwritersandproducers.com, and of course, there's a contact form at the bottom. Perfect. See? All right. Perfect, everybody. Yo, so ladies and gentlemen, once again, we have, man, Gene Culver, y'all, who just dropped a gazillion things that y'all really need to be paying attention to. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, thank you uh, for tuning in to We Create Music TV, where we bring you things like this, right? Things that are going to help you grow, develop, and take your career to whatever level of success you have deemed for yourself. Uh, but there's more things out there for all of you uh, from a musical perspective. So uh, Gene just shared a lot with, with all of you and how you're able to, to accomplish that. So thank you very much for tuning in.